Here they come, your Camarda wealth leaders, slashing taxes, dominating risks, relentlessly pursuing profits, protecting your assets, and keeping you in stitches while leading to greater riches. Your Camarda wealth leaders with Johnny Hotstocks, Camarda, Sonia Embraceable U. Elia, Rob Bulmu Shevlin, also known as the financial anesthesiologist, you'll see why, and me, Jeff, I want to be a doctor, Camarda. You're listening to the Camarda Wealth Leaders on WER, Camarda Wealth Education Radio. Let's face it, wealth matters to living a longer, better life for you and your family. Our goal is to painlessly educate you with uncommonly shrewd advice to help grow and protect your wealth. And while we aim to keep you laughing all the way to the bank, never imagine we're not dead serious about money. Jonathan Camarda is a certified private wealth advisor, certified financial planner, chartered market technician, chartered financial consultant, certified fund specialist, chartered life underwriter, and board certified in mutual funds. Jeff is a certified financial planner, chartered financial consultant, chartered financial analyst, certified fund specialist, chartered life underwriter, and board certified mutual funds. He's also an enrolled agent admitted to represent clients with unlimited IRS practice rights, holds a master's of science in financial services, and is a PhD student in the American American College's Financial and Retirement Planning Doctoral Program. Besides being Camarda's Chairman and Chief Investment Officer, Jeff is also a working research academic in Wealth Matters. The Camarda team believes deeply in financial education and expertise and is proud to have Dr. Tang Wei as our Chief Financial Analyst, who is also a university professor and working wealth research academic. Camarda Wealth Advisor Group offers private wealth management, including no commission portfolio management through Camarda Financial Advisors and other financial services as described in our boring end of the show disclosure. Folks, welcome to yet another edition of Camarda's Wealth Education Radio. You're here with me, Jeff. I want to be a Dr. Camarda. Sonia Embraceable. Who you? Elia, how are you this morning, Sonia? Hiya, good. How are you? And this afternoon, this is late afternoon for those listening in Jacksonville, by the way. Yeah, we have uh, Rob Bullmoose Egan after Ghostbusters, um, <laughs> the, also known as the Financial Anesthesiologist. How are you doing today, Rob? I'm doing peachy. How are you? You're doing peachy? You look peachy. Yeah, I sure. Been to Georgia lately? And uh, Johnny Hotstocks, Camarda, how you doing over there, Johnny? Hola! Hola, 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 Johnny says. And uh, folks, you can reach us at any time, 24-7, with the advent of uh, telephone answering technology at 800-262-1083, 800-262-1083. We have some real interesting topics here throughout the show. Our first segment is going to be dealing with investment uh, ideas and some of the things you really want to watch out for in index investing, which has become enormously popular, but there is uh, um, the kind of a dark underbelly that uh, um, that is really hasn't been seen in the press at all, which I think will astonish you. Uh, but let's begin with um, the, the recent listeners will know that we we offer educational materials, including our nine biggest dangers facing today's investor and how to avoid them. We want to offer that to you. Response has been pretty tremendous uh, across Florida, really, with uh, a recent letter that we sent out. So throughout the show, I'll be reading excerpts of that uh, to give you some uh, some information. And uh, if you'd like a copy, please call us at 800-262-1083. And so the first question is, are you overexposed to high-risk conservative investments? 
Now, some of us believe we may be entering a very dangerous time for many investors who could be putting themselves at great risk of loss for reasons that may not be obvious to them, frequently are not obvious, or even to their advisors. Uh, if you're like the many investors that we do free portfolio stress tests for, you may be dangerously loaded up on conservative investments that could be facing severe headwinds or even devastating losses in the weeks and months to come. Two extremely popular asset classes, for instance, that are common in many investors' portfolio today have soared since 2008 but may be poised for big losses uh, in the months ahead. Odds, odds are pretty good that you may be very exposed to these dangers, but the stealth risk is not showing up on your radar or your advisors. Find out if you own these investments and what to do to protect yourself by calling 800-262-1083 for a free report, the nine biggest dangers facing today's investor and how to avoid them. Whew, I'm glad that's over. Okay, folks, but this is really valuable material. We hope that you'll uh, call in to get your free copy. No cost, no obligation. Egon, I mean, uh, Rob, what uh, you had a very interesting coattailing or snowballing idea uh, that you wanted to begin with. Uh, have at it, Rob. Well, I had gotten uh, something in my inbox yesterday that had gotten my attention. We all know that one of the more fabled investors is Warren Buffett. And uh, and uh, <laughs> and we thought that, you know, of course we think Warren Buffett's been pretty prescient because he actually There's a purchased Thank a company you. that was in one of our uh, portfolios and he paid like $37 billion for the company and it got handsomely rewarded. We got to watch a lot cheaper, yeah. And, it, it, you know, certainly uh, I think our clients benefited from that. But a lot of people said, well, maybe you should just invest the way Warren Buffett does. People write books about it. But uh, I thought it was kind of interesting, and again, I can't tell you if, if this, the data has been updated, but some of the stocks that Warren Buffett's company owned really hadn't done that well this year, even though they own can I give you Can I give you a little bit of, uh, of uh, interaction on that, though? Absolutely. Would you mind? So I think that, you know, the, the Graham methodology, you know, which is basically, uh, which has been dramatically uh, in, uh, uh, advanced by... Uh, by Mr. Buffett and folks like Professor Joel Greenblatt and, and many other value methodologists. Um, but the basic premise is to look for really good companies with good business plans, good management, good products, good futures that you can buy inexpensively. That's the premise, right? That's Absolutely. value investing, and I think yep. that that's valid, and, and more people should invest that way because I think it gives them a real edge, and we use that in a number of our portfolios. Mm -hmm. But the difference between... You going out and finding a really good opportunity like the one you just mentioned, you know, cheap, and Mr. Buffett going out, what's the difference? Well, he has a lot more access to greater resources. Than well, but they've also, in order to use his term to move the needle, he can't go out and deploy a couple million dollars to make a difference to Berkshire. He's got to look for huge deals, Absolutely. right? Huge deals, and, and those are much more complicated and often well beyond the uh, the nobody knows about a really you know really good value situation. Mm -hmm. You know, so you can't. It's not nimble. And I think if you use value methodology much more nimbly, the way we try to, and individual investors who study hard and um and, and can look at the company books and figure out where there are there are undervalued situations, can really move a lot faster and like make a lot more money. What do you think about that, Moose? Well, I understand that. Um, you know, I think the thing that I was thinking about, you know, we have so many people who are investing in indexes, you know, and they say, well, you can't really outperform the market. I, I've had a long-held belief that there were certain types of money managers that really, you know, have been able to, they come up with a, an approach or a strategy that is very consistently doing better than their peers. Um, 
And I, you know, the question is, is that still working? Well, I think we would argue, Sonia, what are your thoughts on that? I'm sorry, I was still thinking about um, Rob and the dude from Ghostbusters and wondering if we should put a split screen up on Facebook to see. But I don't know, I don't know who would be the before or the after. <laughs> yeah, well, that was a nice deflection. Yes, but really, Sonia, what do you think about what Egan is saying here? Egan. Huh? <laughs> I know, I realize he's discussing his slime mold collection. But <laughs> um, as far as value investing or whether it's... As far as, you know, can, you know, investors or portfolio managers beat the indexes and do better, you know, uh, can, can you beat the market, I guess? You know, and, and uh, is that something that investors want? And uh, do you think it's possible? Well, I think they definitely want it. And I think if you research and you come up with a system uh, for identifying the way that you want to invest, that you have a good opportunity. Yeah, I think and there's a lot of ways to do it. I'm a value fundamental guy. Hot Stocks over here is more of a technician, you know, looking for momentum and so forth. What do you think, Jonathan? Do you think that, you know, a, a, an adult um, portfolio manager can outperform the market? Uh, yeah, no, absolutely, and especially I think that the environment has a lot of control of that. So, in other words, as we enter a rising interest rate environment, I definitely think that uh, either value investors, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. or technicians, both using different methodology, a running or passing game, if you will, can beat the market in uh, lower interest rate situations like we had the last few years where everyone talked about, all right, my broker or my advisor or my mutual fund couldn't beat the index. Well, the reason is because everyone's winning in a low interest rate environment, so trying to get that extra edge is very difficult minus costs. But when you go into a long-term rising interest rate environment, like I think we all agree mm-hmm. that we're probably going to, the answer is absolutely yes. But even taking the interest rate thing off the table, I mean, what you do in Chartist, which is your favorite portfolio and, and uh, which we think has done very well, we, don't get, you know, we won't get into specific numbers, uh, during the segment, but uh, I think we're all pretty impressed with uh, um, the, the relative performance over the market. You basically look for stocks that will go up more than the market and look to get out of stocks or uh, that uh, will underperform the market. Is that pretty much true? Right, yes. And right. there's a combination of different things, but absolutely, yes. Right. So, uh, and if you're successful, and, and you have been um, uh, for a long time, if you're successful, then those that, that, that basket of stocks that you're picking with your methodology should do better than the S&P 500 if you're successful. Is that true? Right, right. Because what you do is is if you concentrate on the best performing sectors and the best stocks within those sectors, instead of owning the old market, your odds mm-hmm. are in your favor. If you know what you're doing, you can Yeah, do and, there's a, and there's a lot of you know, methods that, that people will use to seek uh, better than market returns, and, and it's one of them. But does that answer your question, Egan? I mean, Rob, I mean, uh, Dr. Uh, Sleep over there? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. But, but what's also interesting... <laughs> that sounds like my wife's vaporizer. Yeah. <laughs> what a percolating. You are so dead. <laughs> I, listen, Johnny, I thought you were your wife's vaporizer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the moist air. Please shut your mouth. Oh, a minute, only a minute left in the segment. Please <laughs> run down the clock. That cool chill air is oozing out of the cave. All right, Rob. But I think one of the. You the, have 10 seconds. One Go. of the contrasts I wanted to draw was somebody who's as smart as Warren Buffett, who's biggest holdings, you know, as of this week, were down 17, 18, and as much as 30%. It just shows you they're not infallible. Of course not. But he's not buying looking by the quarter, quarter by weeks. And I think that's an important point to pick up after the break. And we Mm -hmm. want to get into the risky side of index funds, really breaking news. I've been studying markets for decades, 
And this is the first time I've come across this, but I think it's really, really important. You won't want to miss that. The risky side of index funds. And also, don't forget to call for your free copy of The Nine Biggest Dangers Facing Today's Investor and How to Avoid Them Before It's Too Late, maybe. 800-262-1083. Stay with your Camarda Wealth Education radio team as we delve deeper into the mysteries of how to improve your wealth, protect, and make more money. Be back right after the break. You're listening to the Camarda Wealth Leaders on WER Wealth Education Radio. This show is previously recorded. For private or on-air questions or to request free white papers or other educational materials or to schedule a complimentary no-obligation consultation about today's or any other wealth matter, call us at 888-CAMARDA. Write it down, folks. 888-CAMARDA. That's C-A-M-A-R-D-A. Charlie Alpha. Mike Alpha. Romeo. Delta Alpha. 888-CAMARDA. Call it now and keep it handy for wealth emergencies. Camarda Wealth offers complimentary, that's free folks, portfolio reviews to listeners. Get us your statements and we will thoroughly examine your portfolio, give you opinions on the risk and quality of each position you own, as well as how wisely we believe the whole thing holds together and how efficiently it addresses your needs and goals. At the same time, we'll also opine on how protected your assets are from financial predators, your estate plan, tax savings opportunities, and other ways we can think that you can cut risk, avoid probate, save money, and just plain get richer faster. Did I mention this service was free? Just call us at 888-CAMARDA, that's C-A-M-A-R-D-A, 888-CAMARDA, to set up your free portfolio review now. Folks, welcome back to your Kamada Wealth Education Radio Show. And uh, as uh, we promised before the break, we're going to get into the dark side of index fund investing. Now, as most of our listening audience uh, knows or will be reminded of, indexing has become extremely popular um, over the past decade or so, driven by a, a variety of academic forces we won't get too much into. But the basic premise is you can't beat the market. The market's fairly priced all the time, rational expectations. So should you, you should just buy the index like the S&P 500 and get a really cheap, low-cost fund, right? That pretty much it, folks? Sounds right. Yep. You know, for a lot of other reasons that our listening audience doesn't care about, you know, the, the, the academic fund, uh, the, the premises. Um, but uh, um, uh, And I personally have always believed that you can do better than a market. You can beat it if you have a good manager. Now, you have some good managers, some bad managers. Many don't beat the market because they're not really that good. But like a good athlete, the really good ones that, that know what they're doing and are skilled um, can't. It's always been my belief. And also that you know, the uh, um, kind of fashion, if I can use that word, but I think it describes it well, people during some markets prefer the indexing approach, the passive approach. And then during some markets, they prefer the active approach. And go, going forward, by the way, before we get into the dark side of indexing, what do you think now that the market has hit record highs again, and we're pretty much back up there, you know, as we face the end of the year, um, and, and by a lot of measures is overvalued, is indexing going to give us the, you know, the, the fast ride that it has over the past five years, or is it, is it time to become a little bit more uh, surgical? Panel, what do you think? I certainly have spoken enough. Amen. Scalpel. Oh, Scalpel is definitely yeah. a good Somebody one. remind Sonia of the topic. No, it's... it's Talk about Ghostbusters. <laughs> how about Ghostbusters, Move Rob? How was the experience? Why is that, Facebook girl? Why? How can people reach out to us on Facebook, by the way? No, tell us later. Okay. Okay. Rob, come and do... We all had this dead air. He had done well, well, 
Well, it just it reminds me of one, my, one of my best friends back in 07, 08. We were having a discussion, and he was he, he actually provides software to professional money managers, and he's where did he grow up, Rob? In the Bronx, like me. And so, uh, were you friends? Did you go to the zoo when you come on? Get to the point, would you? I'm trying. I'm trying. Anyway, you know, because of what he had seen with money manager clients, he really didn't believe that you could beat the market. So he had the the preponderance of his wealth in index funds, and in his 529 was in index funds. And I proceeded to watch him lose 40% that year because. They were not making any decisions mm-hmm. that could possibly be different than just we're going to buy right. something to replicate an index. Well, sometimes that works when you're going on the way up, but on the way down, that really doesn't work for you. Yeah, it's good. Uh, that's a good point. So you also believe that with the market valuation levels now, surgical strikes are going to have a higher probability of success than just uh, continuing to to blow it up with uh, a possibly inflating balloon. I would think so, yes. And Johnny, I know what you think, but go ahead and uh, give voice to it. I was actually just thinking of Rob's statement. That goes from an index to an outdex fund, right? <laughs> so yeah. anyway, uh, yeah, no, I definitely agree that the uh, it's become more of a night fight. Uh, you can't really just shoot the cannon from up in the castle right now. Well, and, and the worst part is they, they ride the market down. They decide, I can't, take the, I can't stomach this anymore. They get out, and then they don't know when to get back in. And then when the market goes back all the way back yeah. up, they, they were just sitting on the sidelines. No, so, that, that, so, th- so thanks, uh, you know, for your comments on that. But I'd like to get into, you know, this, this New York uh, um, the, the, the Times article, the risky side of index funds, because it really puts a different light on it that I've never considered before in decades of, of, of advanced financial study. So uh, I'm going to quote a bit from this piece, which uh, appeared uh, in uh, October, I think, in the New York Times. Analysts say that passive investing inflates the price of some fund stocks. Now, the logic of investing in index funds has so far seemed simple and compelling for many people. Why spend the time researching individual securities and run the risk of choosing the wrong stocks in the wrong sector when you can simply buy the market as a whole, put your money into exchange-traded fund, ETF, or traditional mutual fund that passively tracks a stock index like the S&P 500, or the Russell 2000, you have instant diversification without the risk of error in security analysis, and you can get it awfully darn cheap using funds like from Dimensional, uh, the, the DFA, and, and Vanguard, and T. Rowe Price, and some other very low-cost providers, right? And on the surface, that makes sense. You know, over time, if you're happy with the market return, you know, and you don't think you can beat the market winners by the index fund. But there's a lot of good reasons not to. You know, and according to this article and the research, which I find extremely compelling, and I'll probably study deeper than myself, stocks in a Russell 2000 seem bloated in valuation when compared with non-index peers. S&P Capital IQ compared the valuation of stocks with an index of stocks of similar market capitalization that are not in the index and found the valuation gap between stocks in the index and those outside it had swollen enormously. Now, what does that mean, esteemed panel? You, 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 know, you're, you know, it's not really truly reflecting the, the, the intrinsic value. It's just that because the fund has to keep reinvesting in the same types of things, it's pushing up the yeah, price. So, so if we, you know, we have two houses on the same street, you know, to make a, you know, an easy analogy, and one is in the index, and that you know, price, they di- identical houses. One is in the index for $300,000, and the one that's outside the index is $100,000. And the only reason the one that's in the index has a $300,000 price tag is because it's in the index. That's really what it boils down to. Mm-hmm. And why is that? Why is this happening? You know, when, and this is really this anomaly, like I said, it's, it's just astonishing that it, it's been off the academic radar. I've never seen it mentioned. 
But it makes perfect sense when you think about it. Why? Yeah, because because of the rules that they have. They've got to invest a certain way, and they're going to keep plowing back into that $300,000 house, making it really not its true intrinsic value. But what a way it happens is if the index is comprised of these stocks that are getting bloated, and more advisors or individuals choose these indices, then when they go in, it is plankton effect that the stock prices of these companies go up by default. And that's what causes that. Yeah, it actually gets a good point. In according to the article, a combination of a long-running bull market and a significant shift to passive investing has indiscriminately buoyed all stocks in major indexes like the S&P 500 or Russell 2000, and stocks that might not be bought singly on their own merits have been lifted by the package buying. Pretty significantly. You know, according to calculations yes, uh, of the S&P Capital IQ, non-Russell 2000 index stocks carry a meeting price to book value of 1.34. Index stocks are recorded a 60, almost a 62% valuation premium at 2.2. Well, that's almost, well, not quite twice, but it's over 50% higher valuations, which means people are overpaying. It's like buying dollar bills for $1.20, right, Rob? Mm-hmm. But they're only worth a dollar. You know, I was uh, looking at somebody's portfolio last night. They're in a, in a retirement plan because I wanted to see how, it, you know, how, it, how they, their other money would make, you know, made sense in their portfolio with what we were doing. And, you know, they only had six investment options. And this fund replicates the benchmark for the Russell 3000. And they had 100% of their money in that. And I think their perception was... Uh, this gives me diversification because I'm in something that's going to try to track 3,000 stocks, but I'm not so sure that it really does that. No, it, it actually doesn't. I, this is, really gives me pause. Um, and uh, um, that if I can continue here, the, uh, the premium, this, this overvaluation or you know, overpricing of, uh, of stocks in the Russell 2000 um, has uh, been in place for each of the past 10 years. That goes back to 2005, right? And has been rising. In 2006, it was just 12%, 62% um, the, this year, which tells it that more money is getting shoveled into index funds. Index funds, of course, there's no doubt in his mind that passive investing in ETFs and index funds inflates the price of index funds versus non-index funds. The whole market is overvalued, uh, um, the, 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 this uh, source says, but index stocks are more overvalued. And the rise of passive investing in the current bull market has most distorted the valuation of small cap and mid cap stocks, uh, some experts, experts maintain. And currently, one third of all the companies in the Russell 2000 in this index, one third, are not making any money. They're flat or losing money. They're not profitable, but they're in the index and the values are bloated because they're in the index. This is a classic example of the hurting effect, which has been around for decades. This is just a different vehicle, what we're seeing it, but. The hurting effect is when everyone starts to go into the same stock, same positions. This is a different vehicle. This is what happens. And so, so as we wrap up the segment, we'll continue more with the special Tampa segment. Is The reason this happens is because people buying index funds, you put money into an index fund, they have to go out and buy the stocks in, in the index. That's all they can do. So more and more money gets shoveled in because indexing is the way to go, and it bids up these other stocks beyond their value, and people don't appreciate that. It really is astonishing. Folks, we'll continue this when we get the special Tampa segment. Jacksonville listeners, you'll have to go to wealthleader.org in order to, uh, to get the, uh, the rest of this because the, um, the timing is shorter on OKB than in Tampa. Um, and again, please don't forget to call for your free copy of the nine biggest dangers facing today's investor and how to avoid them. You want to have these kind of tools 
uh, on your desk in order to, pro- to, to, to more profitably navigate uh, the treacherous markets uh, ahead and, and, and protect your wealth. Uh, stay with you, Kamarna Wealth Education Leaders. We'll be back right after this short break. You're listening to the Camarda Brothers plus the Antle and Rob on WER Wealth Education Radio. Better planning, better wealth, better wealth, better life. Tell your friends about the Camarda Wealth Leaders right here on this station. This show is recorded, but you have questions to be answered privately or on the air if you wish or want free reports or other educational materials. Uh, call 888-CAMARDA. That's 888-C-A-M-A-R-D-A.